1: This is Bustin Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Gosh. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital.
2: Boston Loose Baseball. Looking forward to talking about the Nats. We actually did an event at Nats Park with a few. Players, former players, and Davey Martinez will tell you about in just a couple of minutes, which was really cool, but I think we should probably start with the World Series, and even though this could be slightly dated by the time you guys listen, because someone's going to win Game 5 this evening, uh, someone will go up three games to two. Might as well discuss what we've seen so far between the Astros and the Phillies. Obviously, as we've said throughout the playoffs, Danny, lots of Nationals flavor here. You got Dusty Baker, a managerial legend who was beloved in this city, managing the Astros, trying to get his first ring. And on the other side, you got Bryce Harper, who was the face of this franchise for years, who's just been incredible this postseason, leading the Phillies all the way. 2 a World Series, a chance for him to win a title for the first time.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a Nationals-heavy backdrop this entire postseason culminating in two figures that um, you know, are certainly very polarizing. And, and let, let us not forget about Kyle Schwarber, responsible for pretty much the Nats' only winning month over the last couple of years when he turned into Babe Ruth in June of whatever year that was, 2021. It all seems so long ago. Extremely likable.
2: One of yep. my favorite—I almost said teammates, but what I mean to say is one of my favorite guys in the clubhouse— mm-hmm even though we weren't even in the clubhouse because of COVID. But I, I know Schwarber from having interacted with him a few times, even doing s- some interviews with him when he was in the minors. But just talking to other players, seeing how the, the the interactions go in the dugout. Find me
0: someone who doesn't love Kyle Schwarber. Good luck. We had him on at the Super Bowl, believe it or not, years ago. Yeah, when that was he, weird. When he had just come off of that knee problem, whatever it was. I mean, he had knee surgery didn't play the entire season and then just gets out of bed you know in, in 34 degree weather in the World Series it just hits nukes uh, in like hugely important games like his first day active like no rehab assignment, no nothing pretty incredible but yeah a, a great dude. but you're right about the uh, about the two main characters here in this story and in all uncertain terms, Bryce Harper has been incredible this postseason. I think it's four go-ahead home runs, or you know, game what were viewed as game-winning home runs over the course of his time, and uh, it's just been an absolute demon to, to pitch to. You've seen though Houston in this series, by the way, basically throw him fastballs up. That's kind of been the strategy, which is very dangerous for a number of reasons. One, if you don't miss up, it's in the hot zone, and then it's in, in the seats. Uh, or it can be a ball, he can walk, etc. cetera. But he's swung under, swung through a number of fastballs, at least he did last night, and that's kind of been their their strategy. Houston, I give credit to for this, and it doesn't seem like very much fun to give Houston credit for much of anything, but that's kind of been their M.O. I, I, I don't want to say they're responsible for this because the data's out there, but I feel like they were among industry leaders here, and you could tell me if you think I'm, I'm full of it, in the let's get back to the four-seamer up in the zone. The whole paradigm of pitching forever, my childhood coming up in the game, and obviously we know when you're good enough to be at this high level of a pro, but work down, work down, work down. Ground balls, early contact, work down. Sinkers, sliders, splitters, everything going down, down, down. Up in the zone, fastball is now a weapon because everyone throws 100 miles an hour, and that was the first thing they did to Garrett Cole, for example, coming from Pittsburgh, where he had great stuff but, you know, okay results. And they said, you throw 100, your four-seamer is ridiculous. You throw fastballs at the top of the zone, watch what happens. He turned himself into a Cy Young, $300 million player, etc. You're seeing them use that. And Christian Javier last night, we'll, we'll talk about this here, the combined no-hitter, but he's just pumping fastballs by people in the mid-90s, and his fastball certainly plays up. But I feel like that Houston renaissance has been something that's taken over the game a bit.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, they get credit for that. A lot of it has to do with tunneling, right, and wanting your fastball to look like your breaking ball. But the top of the zone, four-seamers, you know, that everyone now implements, and it's kind of baseball-wide. It's, it's philosophy. It's based on spin rate and sustaining kind of what looks like now the ball is rising at the top of the zone based on eye level. Um, and they, they, they kind of wrote the book early, and, and in a lot of ways, on a lot of things, including, I guess, some of the cheating that they were doing. Yes,
0: they wrote the book on that.
2: But... Uh, They weren't the only team doing it, and and teams followed their lead, I think, in in some capacities in that regard, but in, in a lot of regards over the years. I mean, they are analytically advanced and really sharp, and they do a lot of good things, And as has been seen since they got caught and we found out that they cheated in 17. I mean, you go back through it, right? 2019, they were in the World Series, League Championship Series or World Series, just about every season. So they're legit. You know, with or without trash cans, they've proven that at this point they're a
0: buzz saw. I mean, they just keep producing replacements. I mean, how are they going to get over? Carl... Jeremy Pena is there. How are they going to get over and enter your non-Alvarez? I mean, they are a machine at producing high-quality major league talent.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt, and uh, they're. They got more coming. I mean, they got help on the way, even though the system is finally falling off now to being kind of in the bottom rung, I would say, among uh, minor league operations. Um, as far as Bryce Harper goes really quickly, I just wanted to say, so everyone's acting like he'd never played well in the playoffs before, and that's revisionist history. Do you remember in 14 when oh. the Nats got knocked out? He was the entire offense. The Giants eliminated them in four games in that series, and Bryce had three homers and four batted in in four games. If they win and move on, yeah. And he goes and has another big LCS. I mean, you're talking about a potentially historically significant power postseason that he was off to. Three homers and an RBI per game through four games. So uh, he was big in 14. He homered in 17 when they lost in five games to the Cubs. Um, Batting average was never all that high. Just the 2014 Giants series was the only time he really hit for much average. But he has been a juggernaut for the Phillies. In the wild card against St. Louis, he was uh, 2 for 8 with a home run. Then in the division series against Atlanta, he was batting 500 8 for 16 with two bolts and five batted in. League championship series when he was the MVP. He went eight for twenty at the plate with three doubles and two homers that he drove in five while bidding uh, hitting four hundred and and batting you know twelve fifty with the OPS. And now into the World Series, 4 games in, they've split the first two at the Astros as we record, you know, he's got a home run and a couple batted in and stole a base last night. I don't know why he hits fourth. I mean, that's the only thing not to channel the old school, you know, Dusty Anthony Rendon debate, but it is kind of inexplicable to me that I watch them batting the first inning, and if they go one, two, three, yeah. Bryce Harper doesn't get a crack at the top of the order. Uh, hard to argue with the results and everything that's happened and how well things are going for them, and maybe Harper batting where he has has allowed Reese Hoskins to get going and hit for some of the power that he has, but... Yeah, the former Nats man Harper's been unbelievable, and Schwerber, in the LCS and the World Series has four homers. I mean, he also is is mashing. So if they're going to get to Verlander tonight, as we sit here and tape on Thursday, if they're going to win this series, you know, you have to imagine one or both of those guys is going to have to do something pretty big here.
0: You would say so. I mean, Verlander's beyond due for a good World Series performance. I mean, some of that is hyperbolic that he quote doesn't win in the World Series. He's had excellent outings where he doesn't win. He's also had bad outings where he hasn't won. But the numbers are. We're all aware of them, and I'm sure Verlander is as well. I, I just was amazed. I thought nothing was going to cool off that Phillies lineup. It looked like a group of destiny. Their, their pitching has has been obviously incredible and they're on a great run there. And they've sort of figured out a way to hide the bad parts of their bullpen and emphasize the good. And it's really just as a staff, they've been outstanding. I thought that was what was going to have to happen. If you're going to beat the Phillies in this in this World Series in this postseason, you've got to win eight to seven. Right, you got to do something special, as you know, in terms of an offense. But what we saw last night—the combined no hitter—remarkable stuff. It just—I don't really have any other way to describe that. I mean, you, you got the A version of the Astros bullpen. You're worried at first that oh my god, did they did they take out Javier you know too prematurely? Was that a mistake? Looks like a genius move at this stage. I mean, they were. Unbelievable last night finally cooling off those Phillies bats. Who knows what the carryover is, but I mean, it's always momentum's always about that next day starting pitcher. But I, I was frankly really surprised it went down that way.
1: Hey Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest
2: Yeah, so I agree with you about the usage. I was a little interested to see that they ran through three relievers, which up 5 nothing. I didn't know was necessary. But, I mean, they had a couple of days off, obviously, But the series started, so it might also be a situation where you can get some work for some guys. The Phillies did that, obviously, the night before. I thought they could have had Kyle Gibson throw all three innings, and they didn't. They had him throw one inning and then went to other relievers to kind of maybe keep guys fresh. I guess we'll see as we move on here. But... Javier is so nasty, by the way. Yep. I mean, what an awesome start for that kid. We haven't even mentioned that a combined no-hitter was thrown last night. And, uh, you know, this is where I guess I'll be a nerd or, a, or poo-poo it and I'm an old fart. Combined no-hitters to me just aren't interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Like, my wife came home. She was out uh, having a drink with a friend, and she came running home kind of thinking I think I was going to be having a party about a, a no-hitter in the World Series. She's like, what would you think? What would you think? And I played along a little bit, but largely, Danny, a combined no-hitter to me is not really a no-hitter I care about. It was an awesome scene. It was To me, the story was how amazing the, the Astros pitched the game. You know, the, the story was just how dominant Javier was and, and how strong uh, Brayu, Montero, Presley were after that. But the fact that it's the second no-hitter, I think, or the, the first since Larson's perfect game in the World Series, for a lot of people that moves the needle, I, I'm just not a combined no-hitter guy.
0: The needle is moved for me, but it's not the same, right? It's, um, I don't have a great analogy. Like imagine the finest restaurant in the world, your favorite place and your favorite dessert coming to the table at the conclusion of a great meal. That's like the world series, no hitter. That's like Roy holiday doing something incredible. That's Don Larson. This is a, uh, a Safeway store-bought cake. Still very good. It's still better than eating nothing. It's still better than not having dessert. But it's not the same as that super gourmet, incredible experience, right? I'm, I look at it as as more of an oddity, as a treat, as something that was pretty cool. Because again, you don't see that it, when when something has only happened a couple times in history, it's noteworthy. But I know that I just don't feel the same way about it. I, I don't. I don't know if that quantifies it very well or makes sense. But so let me ask you it's, this: It's impressive.
2: And if you guys want to, uh, this is how we know who's listening to the podcast, right? You could tweet us a response to this question. Kind of like, uh, do you know, a little test, yeah. Putting your little like, uh, we're telling you to put something in your homework if you're in class or whatever, so that when we check it, we know you're in class. Is a combined no hitter and no hitter on a binary? I, in other words, it goes down in the books as a no hitter, but for your own consideration. Do you file it as a no hitter? I do not. It sounds like you do.
0: I think I do, but I but I know that it's not the same. Yeah, but I don't have a good definition. I, I can't li- I, I, like in a court of law, I wouldn't be able to to win my case, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just I know how it feels. It it doesn't feel as special as if Javier went all nine nine innings. That wasn't going to happen. He was p- approaching 100 pitches, um, because of the number of strikeouts he had, and maybe it wasn't as pitch efficient. But I know that it's impressive. I know that it's not as impressive as if it's one guy just dealing for 27 outs. I think that's a given. It's still more than zero, though. So if 100 is the is the full no-no, zero is you lasted a third of an inning, you, you corbin uh in July, it's like a, a 85, 90 for me. It's still pretty amazing. Like, But you know, if you'd gone a complete game giving up five hits, it's probably that level of, of amazing, if that makes sense.
2: Do Nats fans want the Astros or the Phillies to win the World Series? as a majority, do you think? And I've been candid on our show on Grant and Danny, and I don't know that it's even come up on the podcast, but I'm rooting for the Phillies because this is just kind of selfishly my own thing. I have a really good buddy of mine who pitches for the Phillies, Kyle Gibson, who I mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm friendly with a, a member of their front office who I go back with many, many years as well. And for those two guys who I know as people and as humans and all the sweat and the tears and everything they put in to their crafts in the game, it would be really cool to see them. As people that that I care about win a World Series ring, so that's kind of my rooting interest. I also don't hate Bryce like a lot of Nats fans and maybe many of the people listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball right now. Uh, I I've never hated Bryce. I I want good things for him. I love Schwarber. You know, I like Bryce. I love Schwarbs. Um, and there's some other guys who I've never met or have never interaction, uh, had interactions with, really, like Reese Hoskins, who I had on my baseball show over the phone years ago but I've never met in person, or Alec Bohm or, or Bryson Stott, who, you know, it's cool to see what, what what's happening. I've always liked J.T. Romuto. My brief interactions with him at All-Star Games have always been very pleasant. I think he's an underrated star in this game. So, like, th- there's enough guys that I root for on on that side of it. I would be happy for Dusty. If he won the World Series. Uh, but there's there's just not enough meat on the bone for me with the Astros having already won one, some of these guys. And obviously the backdrop of of what we know about the Orc.
0: I would guess if there is a majority of Nats fans on this, because it's complicated for everybody. But I would guess the majority are tilting towards the Astros simply because it can't be Philly. You didn't have to take back the park from the Astros. You didn't have them get bust well, and down. People and people get... love Dusty. Well, yeah, of course. But that's, that's the other part of it. Um, I can't have anything good happen for Philly. I, I, that's that's where I start finish. That's let's answer one through a hundred. I think a lot of Nats fans feel that way. You remember going at, being at RFK where they were the bullies. You remember the first few years at Nats Park when they just ruin your time and and they're so obnoxious and terrible and the worst in the pits. I can't have those folks be happy. So yeah, I, I mean that's that's kind of where this thing starts and ends for me. So it's almost like the lesser of two. It's not even almost like it's the lesser of two evils here at this stage. I I want. Bad things to happen to the Astros. I want them to experience nothing but huge lost seasons and get properly punished and booed and all that other kind of stuff. I'm never going to get that satisfaction. They're excellent. They're the organization that I, frankly, would like to be, to be honest with you. I'm, I look at them as the model for for the Nationals and for anybody else who would like to be successful. If you want to win 100-plus games a year, do what they do. Copy them directly, um, even even if it means come with, comes with the territory being hated. But uh, I think that's where my, my leanings lie. It's more against the Phillies than anything else.